Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I'm Daniel Nevins, and today we'll be studying Yoma Daf Yudbet, page 12. Daf Yud Aleph, page 11, ended with a discussion of buildings which may or may not become contaminated by nigaim, a type of mold that indicated tuma or ritual impurity. An anonymous statement claimed that buildings in Jerusalem never get nigaim. Ve'en Yerushalayim mitam'a b'nigaim. This is a rather radical statement. The entire city of Jerusalem was kept pure? Rabbi Yehuda questions this tradition and says that only the sanctified areas of Jerusalem were exempted from nigaim. This debate turns out to have political ramifications. If the city of Jerusalem belongs to the entire people of Israel, then it would be exempted from nigaim. This appears to be the position of the Tanakama, the anonymous first teacher. Rabbi Yehuda's position is apparently that Jerusalem, including its temple, was within the territory of the tribes, and therefore only areas that were sanctified were exempted from Nigaim. This debate is attested to in the Talmud Yerushalmi in several places. Okay, according to Rabbi Yehuda, Jerusalem was divided among the tribes, which ones? Abraita said that the tribe of Judah received the Temple Mount, its offices and courtyards. The tribe of Benjamin received a smaller internal area, around and including the Holy Zone and the Holy of Holies. Apparently, the main altar in the courtyard was right on the border. In a sweet piece of Agadah, the rabbis say that Binyamin, Binyamin Hatzadik, St. Benjamin, was very eager to have the temple in his own tribe's dominion. You may recall that at the end of the Torah, in Parashat Vizotah Bracha, Moses gives blessings to each of the tribes. Speaking of Benjamin, he says, He yearns all day long, chofef alav kol hayom, for it, and thus between his shoulders will it sit, ubein k'tefav shachen. That is, Benjamin's yearning, even from heaven, is to host the altar, and that led to the decision to place the Holy of Holies, where the Divine Presence will dwell, between his shoulders, as it were, or in his territory, when the temple was built. Still, the general idea is that Jerusalem belongs to all of Israel. The Talmud then asks about the proper protocol for visitors to town, such as pilgrims. Can the local residents of Jerusalem charge them rent? After all, they don't really own their homes, or even their beds. Rather, the visitors should be generous with their hosts, giving them leftover goods, such as the jugs from their wine, and the hides left from their sacrifices. Now we have learned the ultimate hostess gift. Next time you stay at someone's house, consider giving them the hide of a goat or a sheep, or perhaps an empty wine bottle. 
Our Mishnah claimed that together with all the normal preparations to keep the high priest pure for the Yom Kippur ritual, there is also a policy of preparing an understudy priest, just in case the Kohen Gadol developed a psul, or invalidation. This leads to a detailed conversation of what exactly had to be done to prepare such an understudy, what new garments would be he need to wear, for example. Since on Yom Kippur, the high priest wore a simplified uniform of four linen garments, not his usual attire of eight, in what way was the understudy outfit any different? This leads to a discussion of whether each garment was pure linen or was rather kilayim, a mixture of wool and linen. Such mixtures were normally forbidden unless specifically commanded by the Torah, in which case they are allowed. I enjoyed part of this discussion in which it speaks about whether one prepares for a role by wearing special garments or rather simply by beginning to function. Of course, whenever we take on a new role, there is some anxiety, and having a special item to wear or a special tool to use can help us feel more prepared. Ultimately, however, it is in the functioning, in the new role, that we learn our new job and truly inhabit it. The daf ends with a fascinating discussion of this understudy. What happens if the first high priest has a temporary inability to function and is replaced by the understudy? Does the understudy get to keep the big job? No, we hear that the first Kohen Gadol will return to his service. Then what about the second guy? Now for this there is a debate. Rabbi Meir says that the second one, the second priest, will function as both a regular and as a high priest. Rabbi Yossi says no. He can neither function as the high priest or as a regular priest. If he were to function as the high priest, in essence sharing the office with the first Kohen Gadol, then there would be eva or enmity between them. But if he were demoted to the status of a normal Kohen, a Kohen Hedyot, it would violate the principle of Malin Bakodish below Moridin that we always ascend in holiness and don't descend. Which will it be? What will become of our understudy high priest? The fate of the second high priest will have to wait until our finale tomorrow with Daf Yud Gimel. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.